Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas. I want to do this podcast in part for you, but also in part for a new group of friends that I have on Marco Island, Florida, during our two-week training stay down there. I did one of the meetings that I did was on uh, this idea of parenting, and we talked a lot about how fathers have a tremendous impact on their children, and so I want to do this podcast for them just as bonus material so they can listen to it and also read the article that I have here. I have more than 2,000 words here for them to read. Now, in addition to that, I have three articles that are embedded inside of this article here, and I also have two videos two short videos that you can watch, and I have an infographic here too. And so there is a lot of material inside of this article that I want to present to you today. And the title of the article is, Being Afraid of Your Daddy May Make You Afraid of God. Let me jump right into it. But as always, if you have any questions that you would like to ask me, you are welcome to do that. Come to our forums. They are free to you. They are brought to you by those who support our ministry. And so you can come to us freely and you can ask your questions. Perhaps you have a question about this idea of the fear of God. I want to talk about the fear of God in this podcast. There are two ways that people commonly think about the fear of God. Fear as in being afraid of Him. I'm terrified being around God. That is real for too many people. But that is not what the term fear of God means. And so I want to talk about what the term means biblically. But part of that, we'll, we'll have to discuss as to why we are afraid of him and that we have a wrong view of the fear of God. Now, perhaps you want to talk about this. And so please jump on our community forums and you can do that. We have a free username and password, or you would need to get your free username and password, and you are ready to go. If you happen to be a supporter of our ministry, I want you to go to our private forums. That's your place. It's a smaller community. Community, and you can ask your questions there. Again, thank all of you who believe in what we are doing and want us to do more, and you, you prove that by supporting us. I am grateful to God for you because you are the people that make this ministry go without question. We can't do what we do without you, so thank you very much. If you want to read the article, again, titled, Being Afraid of Your Daddy May Make You Afraid of God, I want to draw a connection here between how a child relates to their father and how they eventually relate to God the Father. And I talked about this in that uh, teaching time on Marco Island at Marco Presbyterian Church. And again, this will be extended material for you, but I also want you to read these articles embedded, the two videos and really study this graphic here. It will serve you well. To fear God is not to be afraid of Him. And it is important that we understand that. I think if you talk to the average Christian and you talk about the fear of God, many of them will tell you, they, they will upload into that term, the fear of God, some kind of, of uh, being afraid or trembling or, or dread 
when they think about God. And that's not a full view. That's not the most accurate view of what that term means. To fear God is not to be afraid of Him, but to be drawn into ever-growing awe, ever-growing amazement and wonder as you think about Him and relate to Him. The love of our Heavenly Father is extraordinary, though it's not always a child's first experience with a father. I'll never forget the day Mabel was sitting in my office crying. I asked her why she was crying, and she said it was because she was looking at my Bible on the desk, and that was perplexing to me. And so I asked, when you look at my Bible, you cry. Why is that? She said, Rick, you don't understand. When I look at my Bible, I think about God. When I think about God, I think about God the Father. When I think about God being a father, I think about my father. And when I think about my father, I cry. Mabel had a kind of fear of the Lord, but sadly her interpretation for fear of God came from her personal experience with a cruel man, not from her understanding of God the Father. Because she had the wrong perception of God the Father, she did not have a pleasant experience with Him. Here's an important key for you. Your understanding of God determines the kind of experience you will have with Him. Frequently, some people use their personal life experience as the benchmark and point of departure for what they believe to be true about God and His Word. I have written a lot about that recently. In fact, you can find my article, Mapping Your Experience. Uh, The title of it is something like, Slow Down Before You Map Your Experience Over uh, What You're Uh, saying to another person, and we tend to map our experiences over what we should be interpreting freely uh, through the sufficiency of Scripture, but sometimes our experience becomes the driving thing in how we interpret Uh, situations and people and even how we interpret God. And this method of Bible interpretation is called called the experiential method, where we, we interpret the Bible through our experience, or we interpret situations or other people or even God through our experience. And this experiential method is not faithful to God's Word but merely a person's experience mapped over God's Word from which the individual gets their understanding. The experiential method says, My experience is how I interpret God, which gives me an understanding of God that leads to my experience with Him. You start with your experience, you map it over your understanding of God, and you end with an experience with God based on your own experience. Now, the Bible method is different from that. The Bible method says, God's Word gives me my interpretation of God, which leads to my understanding and experience with him. Now, this would be a good place for you to stop and reflect about this questionnaire. Here's the question. Who is God to you? 
not who is God from what the Bible says, and sometimes you have to clarify that. When you talk to a Christian at times and you ask them biblical-type questions, they give you Bible answers because that's what they learn, but it's not their answers. And so uh, when I say, who is God, I, I add to that question, who is God to you? That is a different kind of question. And so I'm not asking you an academic question or a, a theological question in a classroom. I'm asking you. I'm as actually asking the experiential a question, who is God to you? When you think about God and you, what do you think? How does God view you? Maybe that's another way that you can get at this question. Think about how you believe God views you. God is looking down on you from heaven. What is God thinking? What do you think God is thinking? How do you how do you see God? How does he see you? These are perfect questions to ask yourself when thinking about this idea of the fear of God and what it means. If you talk to Mabel, Mabel would tell you clearly, as she told me, Mabel was afraid of God because she did not understand him. She had a skewed view that was warped by her relationship with a cruel man. By the way, her father threw her out of, I think it was a two-story uh, two-story window, and, and she was also molested in all sorts of ways by her father or with her father's permission. You can see how she had a warped understanding of what a father, of what a father is. Perhaps you don't have an excellent working definition of the fear of God. Perhaps it is more of an abstract term rather than a practical reality. Maybe from your perspective, it's a term for smart people to discern. I mean, fear of God is one of them academic labels. Maybe from your perspective, it is for the smart ones. Did you know, even though you may not have a clear understanding of the fear of God, you do have a functioning experience with God based on your definition of the fear of God. Everybody has a, defini a definition of the fear of God. All you have to do is ask them. They'll give you something. They'll tell you what they believe it is if you ask them and give them enough time to think about it and respond to you. And so you, you may not have a clear understanding of the fear of God, but you do have a functioning experience with him. The term fear of God is one of those terms that suffers from language limitations. Our language can be limited sometimes. Uh, sometimes when we talk about God things, the English language, for example, it just doesn't reach that high. It's almost like the English language goes a certain height, but when you start thinking about God, uh, we have to go beyond that. It transcends English language, and the fear of God is one of those terms that suffers from language limitations, if I can use, use that type of wording. If you mix language limitations, our inability to, to clearly articulate all that God is, finite people trying to describe the infinite, but if you mix our language limitations to bad experience like what Mabel has, and if you allow those two things to become your view of God, one thing will happen. You will not accurately know and experience the true and living God. I don't think Mabel is the minority report when it comes to an understanding of the fear of God. 
I suspect some Christians, many Christians probably upload the term with something along the lines, as I said earlier, of being afraid to, uh, of God. And maybe all you have to do is just ask a few questions, uh, ask a few Christians, like say this Sunday morning at your local church meeting, just ask them, what does the fear of God mean? It would be an interesting conversation. I think you would hear uh, many people describing the fear of God primarily about being afraid of him. This misstep in understanding and definition definition is the only point of reference they may have known when it comes to identifying a father because a father and I won't get into all of all of this but a, a father can really skew a child's understanding of of who God the Father really is now I do have a video uh, in this article I'm not going to replicate that here for you but you can watch it if you wish and also, this was uh, the bulk of the teaching that I uh, did uh, on Marco Island at Marco Presbyterian uh, Church in the summer of 20, 2019. And so rather than talking about how a father can really mess up uh, our interpretation of, of God the Father, what I want to do is I want to get inside this label, the fear of God, and what, I want to talk about what it means from a from the fullest definition of it. And there are really just two parts to this idea of fear of God. I'll give you those two parts, and then I want to get inside those two parts and explain them, and hopefully I will explain them well for you. The fear of God means that you have a, a true understanding that, that God is a God of justice. And then the fear of God also means that that you that that. God is a God of love. And so those are the two key words that you must understand when you think about this idea of fear of God. God is a God of justice, and God is a God of love. To understand the fear of God, you must go back to the Garden of Eden, where we see humanity's first experience with the fear of God as seen in the story of Adam. And so what I want to do here is I want to talk about how Adam fell all over this term, face-planted over this term, the fear of God, because he didn't have a healthy view, a full view of what fear of God meant. After the fall of Adam, Two things needed to happen to him for him to renew and experience a right relationship with God. Number one, there was sin. Adam sinned. He fell in the garden. He and Eve, they fell down. They fell into sin. And that meant that there must be justice. There was a demand for justice because God told them in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, if you do this, you will surely die. And so Adam knew immediately, we have sinned, we are going to die. And so part of fearing God biblically means you understand that there is a demand for justice. You sin, there will be hell to pay. But the second point is, yes, somebody needed to pay for the sin, which meant there, there was a demand for love. Now, what I mean here, because we understand, we, we are now in, in the years of, in, in the this, this century of 2000, and we're looking back at this, and we not only know that God demands justice, but he also will provide love for us. He will pay for the sin through his son. And when you understand the fear of God 
correctly, then you know that when you sin, there is a demand for justice and praise God. There is an offering of love. And those two things mixed together, justice and love, brings you to a place of awe and astonishment and amazement and wonderment at God's kindness to us. But Adam's initial response was to run away from God because he knew that God demanded justice for what he did. He knew someone had to pay for his actions. Adam sinned, and thinking that he had to pay for his sin, which is correct, he ran and hid. In a sense, Adam had a fear of God, but the problem was how his fear of God was not a complete understanding of what the term means. And he had a half understanding. God is a God of justice. And so Adam ran and hid because he knew there would be punishment meted out for his behavior, as God said in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Adam was not delusional. He did what you and I would do. Adam was terrified because he knew God and he believed what the Lord said. Adam knew that he could not escape the wrath to come. God was to be feared. But if God's justice was all that we knew about him, how horrible would that be? The complete definition of the fear of God would be strictly along the lines of horror and terror and dread. This is the perspective that Mabel had about God. She only knew horror and terror and dread and punishment and pain. And so Mabel saw God this way because that was her experience with a father figure. It made complete sense to me how she would be terrified at the thought of having a relationship with any father, especially God the Father. I have counseled many adopted kids who had similar interpretations as Mabel though it was caused by being rejected by their bio-dads, they were similarly tempted to live with a fear of being rejected by God the Father because they understood the painful rejection of their biological fathers. Now, this reality of how a, a, a dad who rejects you sends you away to be adopted by somebody else, this reality makes the role of an adoptive father all the more critical. The new dad has an incredible opportunity to redefine what a redemptive father is like while pointing the child to his ultimate redemption in God the Father. And ironically or instructively, the same is true for kids who have passive dads. Passive dads are communicating a loud loud message to their children. I have no interest in you. I don't desire you. I don't want to be around you. I don't have any thoughts of you today. And if you are reared by a passive, inactive dad, then that child will more than likely map that experience over how they think about God the Father. In one sense, the stories are all the same. Unkind dads, harsh dads, cruel, distant, inactive, passive dads, unloving fathers, they all have a role in shaping the definition and conclusions kids come to regarding the fear of God. For example, if all these kids know is a punishing father, they will not be able to have a healthy and biblical view of God the Father. A child can only think in the sin, punishment, justice construct. 
and they'll have a hard time relating to God well. Fortunately, Adam's experience with God did not end with his fearful understanding of God's holy justice. Adam knew he had sinned, and he knew the Lord would keep his word. There would be hell to pay. God is holy, and he will punish sin. There is no escaping this truth. No sin will go unpunished. Adam knew this which is why he was living in the dread and fear of the consequences of his sin. But as I had already mentioned, we know that this idea of the fear of God, well, there's two parts to it. Not only does it mean that God is a God of holy justice, but it it means that God is a God of holy love. What Adam and Mabel was not were not calculating into the equation was how God the holy judge was going to punish sin because there was no gospel in Adam's frame of reference. The only thing he could do was pay for his crimes against his holy creator. That is what one of his sons wrongly tried to do. Cain, similar to Adam, offered a payment from the work of his hands to appease the offended power. And God unilaterally rejected it. This rejection of personal sacrifice, God was rejecting personal works from us. Well, that created a problem. If Adam or his children could not pay for their sins, and God demands justice, who was going to pay for it? Well, we, we know the answer to the question. And Adam eventually came to understand it too. God told him in Genesis 3.15 that the gospel was coming and someone else would pay for sin ultimately. All Adam had to do was accept the free gospel from God the Father. That was all Cain needed to do as well. That is all Mabel needed to do. She needed to know the full story about what fear of God means. God is a God of justice, and you must pay for your sin. And God sent his son, he is a God of holy love too, who paid for our sin. Knowing the justice of God is a good start. But only when you know and experience the love of God through the gospel will you truly understand what the fear of God means. You need to accept God's payment for your sin, and that payment was made in full when God the Son died on the cross as the God-man. A right understanding of the fear of God comprises two great truths about God, his holy justice and his holy love. God's holy justice plus his holy love is what I call a complete understanding of God the Father, or a fuller understanding of what the fear of God means. And when you have this right view of God the Father in your mind, you'll have a good understanding of the fear of God. To only know God's holy justice is to live in fear, worry, anxiety, and despair, particularly when you sin because you know you must pay for it because God is a holy justice God. Ironically, to go to the other side of the spectrum and not know of God's holy justice, but you only know of God's holy love, well, that is to have weak sin categories. 
to the point you rarely confess sin, you, you rarely seek forgiveness, you rarely pursue reconciliation, you, you rarely enjoy God deeply and profoundly. God is love. God is love. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I can do what I want to because God loves me. That is a person that, un, that doesn't understand that God is a God of holy justice too. And so you can err on both sides of this equation. If you only know of the holy, just, uh, the holy justice of God, you can go into despair. If you only know of the holy love of God, you can really do whatever you want to and not care whether you sin. To know God's holy justice and holy love will usher you into greater depths of awe, astonishment, wonder, amazement, and inexplicable joy as you ponder the depths of the gospel. This worldview is what it means to have a comprehensive worship experience with God. Mabel knew she was a bad girl because she experienced the wrath of her father. Her father made it very clear to her that, that she was a bad girl, and that was all that she knew. She understood sin and punishment because she was forever paid for her sins with her father. However, Mabel never truly understood love and redemption because she never experienced kindness and grace from her father. She had never experienced forgiveness and mercy when she sinned. And so when her time came to think about God and enter into a relationship with him, she entered into the relationship with a one-sided understanding of what it meant to be his child. And though she was legitimately, authentically born again, she never fully came to terms with what it meant to live in the good of the gospel out of one side of her mouth, she would say, God saved her because Christ died for her sins. And out of the other side of her mouth, she had this uneasy dread of God. A person who is afraid of our redemptive God may be a Christian, but they do not know him as they should. Mabel was trained to be frightened of her earthly father and her heavenly father. Though the Lord saved her, Mabel could never enter into an uninhibited relationship with him because of her poor understanding of his justice and his love. You could say that she had a half understanding of the fear of God. She lived in continual condemnation because that is all that she knew. As she said, Rick, you don't understand when I think about uh, God, I think about God the Father. When I think about God the Father, I think about my Father. She needed to hear about the love of God as experienced through the gospel. The title of this podcast is Being Afraid of Your Daddy May Make You Afraid of God. I have been talking about what it means to have a biblical understanding, definition, interpretation of the term, the fear of God. We know that God is a God of holy justice, and we need to know that God is a God of holy love too. And when you bring those things together, you'll have a perfect understanding of this term, and you will be able to enter into this 
unbelievable relationship with the Lord. You're welcome to read this article if you wish. I would encourage you to watch the two videos that are embedded in it. If you do want to do a deeper dive on this subject, or perhaps you are discipling someone who struggles with a lot of worry or anxiety, maybe you're you're helping someone who has a low view of sin, and they, they just sin willy-nilly, and it doesn't seem to matter to them. Well, they need to understand that God is a God of justice, and so perhaps you want to walk them through this with all the articles and the videos and the infographic. Uh, this can be a thorough study that could be a benefit to you personally as well as those that you are discipling. I do, I do want to finish here by asking a few questions. I have a call to action down here at the bottom, uh, five things, uh, four things rather. Number one, when you think about the fear of God, do you tend to believe more along the lines of don't mess up, get it right, or how can I please God? That is a recipe for legalism. A lot of legalist Christian people, born-again people, uh, are legalists because they have this warped view of God, and so they always want to get it right. They never want to mess up, and they're always striving to please God, not for their salvation. No, they, they know they're saved by grace, but they live in this unhealthy fear of God. Number two, when you sin, are you tempted to think, quote, oh no, God is mad and upset with me, similar to the question that I just asked. Number three, when you think about the fear of God, do you want to fall and worship him, fall to the ground and worship him because of his incredible justice that Christ received and amazing love that he gave you? That's a good view of, the, of, of the, this term, fear of God. Number four, finally, when you sin, do you want to repent? Because you undergird your understanding of the fear of God by a robust interpretation of his justice and his love. Are you a quick and active repenter? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Have a blessed day. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.